Bibles, turn to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 1, and we'll read through verse 14 this morning as we talk about activating agreements, agreements that uh, we make. Uh, there are all kinds of, um, of ideas out there. Some of those ideas are truth. They come from God. We want to agree with those, speak like, act like, live like we agree with those. Some of those are lies. And uh, Satan loves, is a, Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies. He loves to offer lies and wants us to agree with those and to live and act like uh, something's true that is really is a lie. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning as, um, as we get into it. So look in John chapter 6, the first 14 verses, and uh, see what the Lord may have for us today. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Anytime you see the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias, same body of uh, water up the, nor of the north part of Israel. And the great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain. There he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. And so Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great multitude. In other words, a whole bunch of people was coming toward him. And he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them might have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And so Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was much grass in the place, and so the men sat down, and in number about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, the disciples, those who were sitting down, likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered up, gathered them up, and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. And those men who had saw the sign that Jesus did said, truly, this is the prophet who has come into the world. Well, today is Father's Day. If you're watching this sometime later, listening on the radio, it is Father's Day today. Hopefully, hopefully you got your father a little something, maybe at least a card. At least a card. He spends $150,000 raising you. You can at least give him a card. <laughs> $2 card, you know. If you haven't got him a card yet, um, you know, they say homemade cards are the best. You can act like you made a homemade card. I'll give you some ideas here. Uh, here's the first idea for you if you hadn't done it yet. Dad, I will always be your little girl that's scratched out. I will always be your financial burden. <laughs> and all of God's dad said, <laughs> amen. Here's another one. Happy Father's Day. Isn't having me as a daughter the only gift you really need? It's from the humble daughters in the group, right? Here's one that all dads can relate to. When in doubt, call dad <laughs> with an upturned car and things like that. Uh, here's one for those of you who are not the firstborn. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Love, not your firstborn. <laughs> so there you go if you want to do that one. Um, let's see. Let's go to the next one. Dad, without me, today's just another day. Not that all that <laughs> some humble person again. Last one, last one. Well done, Dad. I'm awesome. <laughs> Everybody likes that one, say amen. <laughs> yeah, I'm awesome. Let me let you know a little bit of secret. Um, those of us who are dads, we don't always think we're awesome. Let you know a little bit of another secret. All the folks here who are moms don't always feel like they're doing an awesome job either. Let you know another secret. All those who are Christians here today. 
You don't always feel like you're doing an awesome job either. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lie that Satan wants to give to us uh, that says something like this. And you're messing this thing up. You're messing up as a dad. You're messing up as a mom. You're messing up as a teenager. You're messing up as a Christian. You're really fouling this thing up really, really big. And because and it's easy to think, you hear about, you know, man, you need to be a godly dad or a godly mom. And it's easy to think, man, that just doesn't sound like me. I don't think I have what it takes to be a godly dad. I don't know, I think I have what it takes to be a godly mom. I don't know that I have what it takes to be a godly teenager or a godly employee. I mean, I, I see people around me and they look much more joyful than I do and they look holier than I do. They're really good actors or actresses, <laughs> okay? They look holier than me. They look more at peace. They look like they're able to speak about God better. They, they sing or they teach better. And this, this doesn't just sound like me. Now, watch this. Satan loves to jump on this because there's just enough truth in this to really get you wrapped around the axle. There's enough truth here for us to agree with. If we agree with it, like, you know, I really don't have what it takes. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm fouling up. I'm not, I keep apologizing. I keep confessing my sins and I, I keep sinning. And so what Satan wants to do is to give you this lie and he wants you to agree with this, which is this, just quit trying. Just quit trying. You don't have anything to offer. Other people are way more spiritual than you are. Someone else could do this better. It's nothing really that special uh, uh, about you. Just play. Here's one of the big ones. Play it safe and don't embarrass yourself. Those are the lies. Those are the agreements that Satan wants you to make. Now, here's the thing. As I said, there's enough truth here to get you wrapped around the axle. The truth is we're not up to it. The truth is we don't have what it takes to be a godly dad, a godly teenager, and all that other kind of thing. The other side, though, the agreement that God wants you to make is that Jesus delights in using people who aren't up to it for his glory. <laughs> Jesus delights in using broken people and sinful people. Somebody say, like me. <laughs> yeah. God delights in using people that are broken and sinful and don't have what it takes delights in using those kind of people for his glory. Because here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the part of it that Satan don't want you, does not want you to see. If you recognize that you're not up to it, it's one of the best things you can recognize about yourself in the Christian life. Because if you think you're up to it, you're going to be prideful, and uh, you're going to be arrogant, and uh, you're going to live in your own strength, you're going to end up making it about you, and it's not going to be the ministry of life, that's the ministry of death. That doesn't bring anything to anybody. But when you realize that you don't have what it takes, but God does, and God, God's not looking at you and saying, well, that's the best you got, I guess, you know. No, God delights in using people who know they don't have what it takes, but they will trust in him. Let me give you a couple of verses here. Psalm 147, verses 10 and 11. God's pleasure is not the strength of the horse, nor is delight the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing. Everybody say unfailing. Unfailing, unfailing love. Why do they put their hope in God's unfailing love? Because they fail a lot. <laughs> 
<laughs> right? We make promise, I'm going to do better, I'm going to I'm try harder, I'm not ever going to do that again. And then we end up doing it, so we put our hope in God's unfailing love. I'll give you another verse, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, the first part of the verse. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are perfect, who never sin, who have what it takes. Not what it says, is it? Whose hearts are fully committed to him. What does it say? God's looking and he wants to. He delights in people whose hearts just look to him and trust in him. Give you one more. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But this treasure, God's life inside of us, we have in jars of clay to show that the power is from God and not from us. The jars of clay, when they're cracked, is when the light shines through. And it's through the cracks, when we're willing to acknowledge the cracks, the failures, the sins, the, the times we missed it in our life, that God delights to use us when we hope and we trust in his unfailing love. So I want to talk about um, how to make an agreement with God that even though you're not up to it, even though you don't have what it takes, that God delights in using you for his glory. And here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that what we need to do is to offer God what we have, then to obey what God says and observe what God does. Okay, it's three quick points. First of all, we need to offer God what we have. Offering what we have. We all have something. You have a personality. You have some talents. You've got a heart for things that other people don't have a heart for. Some likes, some dislikes. You have some family, some friends. You have a sphere of influence. And watch this. You have troubles, sorrows, difficulties. And you can offer those to God as well. Offer what you have to God and trust that he will use it. Look at what it says in the Bible, John chapter 6. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw the signs which he performed, those who were diseased. And Jesus went on the mountain there. He sat with his disciples, and the Passover feast of the Jews was near. And Jesus lifted up his eyes, saw a great multitude coming toward him. And he said to Philip, where are we going to buy bread to feed all these people? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, Lord, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, not that every one of them might have a little. Notice what Jesus does here. Now watch. When you read that, you understand he's setting them up. He knows they don't have enough. He's... He's at, he say, look, all these people, you feed them. Which raises the question, will God ever ask you to do something you cannot do? Yes, a lot. <laughs> and the reason why God asks you to do something that you cannot do is so you will look to him. <laughs> you will trust in him. And Philip's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's South Alabama thing. Are you kidding me? Are you really, are you for real here? You know, you want us to feed all these people 200 denarii. Half a year's salary wouldn't feed these people. We don't have a Walmart anywhere around here. There's no way we can do this. It's like, Dad, what do you want for Father's Day? Backstage pass to see Taylor Swift. Wait, yeah, right, sure. <laughs> so does all the other people in the world that are Taylor Swift fans. You can't, you can't pull it off, right? And so Philip says, well, Lord, there's no way we can do this. And so here's the agreement. Satan wants to say, just don't even try. Just quit. Just give it up because you aren't up to this. But Andrew, interesting situation. Look at John 6, verses 8 and 9. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves. 
two small fish, but how far will they go? Now, there's a couple of miracles here. One is that Peter didn't say anything. <laughs> Isn't that a miracle? Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. One of the few times he gets the chance to say anything without Peter. And so he says, well, Lord, and everything, watch, everything he says here is meant to belittle what they have. Everything is to put down. Is everything he says is to emphasize how it, this won't work. He said, well, Lord, there's this little boy, and it's a double diminutive. It's a little bitty boy. It's this little bitty boy. And he has, you know, five barley loaves. Now, barley loaves is not the best bread. And when it says loaves, he's not talking about a loaf of bread you buy at the store. He's talking about a disc about five inches in diameter. He got five little pieces. It's like a little small sandwich, a small quesadilla or something like that. And, and, and two small fish. The fish are not 14-pound Connect River catfish either. Okay, these are sardine kind of fish, little small fish. Okay, just just a little boy making. So, so Andrew's doing everything he can to say, "This is what we got," but it's it's not even close, not even worth mentioning, really. But here's the thing, guys: he offers it to Jesus. He brings what he has to Jesus, and that's the key to us. Teenagers coming back from youth camp and beach retreat, hopefully God's put a fire in your heart that you want to reach somebody else for Jesus, and you want to be a good servant for Christ, and you want to live closer to Jesus. The first thing you do is not go out and say, I'm going to do better. The first thing you do is say, God, I offer what I have to you. Offer my voice, my personality, my influence, my job, my athletic team, whatever it is, we offer it to him. We don't have enough love. We don't have enough patience, dads, right? We don't have enough kindness. We don't have enough resilience. We don't have enough joy. We don't have enough courage. But we take what we have. Here I am, and I offer what I have to you. And when we offer it to Jesus, Jesus can do more with our little bit then we can do with a lot by ourselves the rest of our lives. I love what Arthur Blessed said. Arthur Blessed, the guy carried across all around the world, reached thousands and thousands of people for Jesus. When Arthur was young, he said he wanted to be, he wanted to be a servant for God, but he didn't feel like he was a very good preacher. He didn't feel like he was very smart. He didn't feel like he, you know, he didn't. And so this is what Arthur said. He said, I said to Jesus, I'll be your garbage can. Any job you have that needs to be done and no one wants to do it, I volunteer. When you get to the bottom of the barrel and I'm the only one left, I volunteer. I'll do anything you ask of me. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. What's he saying? I'm just giving what I have to you. And it may not be up to what everybody else has, but I just offer it to you. So here's your weekly growth suggestion. Offer what you have to God. Is there something you have not offered to him? Is, is it your parenting? Is it your leisure time? Is it your hurts? Is it your doubts? Is it your anxieties? Is it your depression? Is it your hobbies? Is it your friendship? Is it your academics? Whatever. Have you offered it to Jesus? I was reading about a guy named Craig. Craig was part of a fraternity when he was in college. And uh, his fraternity uh, was in trouble with the administration. And they weren't in trouble because they were doing too many service projects. <laughs> right? They were in trouble. The uh, uh, administration just threatened to kick him off campus and that kind of thing. And so Craig was vice president of the fraternity. And so he came up with an idea. He said, so he told all his buddies, like, we're going to have a Bible study in the fraternity. And they're like, why? Wow. He said, we're going to get kicked out. We got to do something. 
to raise our reputation. Secretly, he had some questions about God that he needed answered. But he wasn't courageous enough to say that. So he, so he disguised it as a PR. It's a PR thing. And so, and so Tuesday night, they're going to gather together for Bible study. He's walking across campus on a Tuesday, going to class. And here he realizes, I don't have a Bible. <laughs> and he said, this is truth, y'all. He said, I'm walking to class. And this guy sees me in a suit and tie. And he sees me walking. And he says, hey, young man, I'm a Gideon. Would you like a Bible? He said, just, he said, I didn't know what a Gideon was. I thought he was an angel. <laughs> and he says, would you like a Bible? And he said, I love a Bible. And so they got there that night. And so he told all the guys, so y'all turn uh, to the first book in the Bible. They all turned to Genesis and he turned to Matthew. <laughs> and he's like, well, no wonder it's free. It's not all there. <laughs> it's dirt cheap, man. It's discounted. They don't have the whole thing here somehow or another. And so uh, they, got, they figured out they could all get to the New Testament, all reading Matthew. And so they, once they got past the begats, the first part of Matthew, the pace sort of picked up a little bit. And so they started doing Bible study. He said, man, none of us, they believed in God. They didn't have a clue what they were doing. And so they'd read the Bible, talk about it a little bit, and pray. Pray things like, God, please help us don't get caught cheating in our final exam. God, please help us protect us while we go out and party next weekend. He said it wasn't the Baptist campus ministry prayers, but it's all we had. He said they were going through the Bible. One night, Ephesians 2, they hit Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anybody should boast. And he said the light went on. And he said he was sitting there in that sweaty, stinky frat room. Somebody was sitting in front of the door, he couldn't get out, and he said it felt like, he said, God just began to deal with his heart. He went out a window, and he said, I knew I needed to get along with God, and he went to the softball field, and he said, he, he, he said I knew I needed to do something, he, went, he knelt down the softball field, and he said it wasn't an audible voice, but it was a very real voice that said inside of his heart, without me you have nothing, with me you have everything. And he said, I knelt down and simply prayed, Lord, take my life. And he said, when I stood up, I was a new person. And he said, I, I knew, I could tell I was a new person. He said, man, I, I understood pretty quickly I had a new mission to live. He said, nobody was exempt. I started telling my roommate about Jesus, started telling my fraternity brothers about Jesus, people on the sports teams about Jesus, my professors about Jesus. He said, I started collecting converts like Michael Phelps collected gold medals. By the way, Craig's his name is Craig Groeschel, pastor of Life Church, one of the largest churches in America today, because what he offered himself to Jesus. Second thing I want you to see is what Craig started doing, that is obey. First of all, offer what you have to God, then obey what God says. We learned from this story that they did what Jesus said. Didn't make any sense, didn't seem like anything big would come out of it, but they did two things. Look in John chapter 6, verse 10. Jesus said, have the people... Sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. They sat down, about 5,000 men. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So here's what he did. Did two things. Told the disciples, have everybody sit down. What's that doing? That's positioning yourself for, for what God's going to do. That's getting ready for what God is going to do. There's an expectation when they sit down that food's going to be served. Let me ask you something. 
the people at your school and the people that you work with and the people that you hang out with, do they know that you would love to pray for them? Do they know that you would love to talk with them about Jesus? Do they know that you would love for them to come to church with you? Did they, that you would love for them to talk about any kind of questions they might have about you? Would you do they know that you would love to do that? It's one reason why I issue growth suggestions every week. So we can look for some kind of way to obey what God's actually doing. This last week, uh, one of the things I encouraged you to think about was how many times can you work into the conversation? That reminds me of Jesus. On Monday about an hour after I had a great opportunity, I recognized it. <laughs> I thought, man, I, that was a good opportunity. I wish I would have ha thought about it then. And then another day, I was, I was at a place, and I thought, man, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, and just never had really had the opportunity. And then while I was writing this sermon, <laughs> while I was writing this sermon at the Bluebird Cafe because the lights were out here <laughs> at the house, and I'm there working on my sermon, and I see an opportunity, and I get an opportunity uh, to, talk, to, to strike up a conversation, and a, little, uh, a guy I know was walking, his, had his little girl's hand in his, and I said, man, you remind, that reminds me of Jesus, how we should want to walk hand in hand with him just like that and so I typed that in while I was typing I saw another opportunity to say just to just to position yourself put yourself out there where God can open a door and do something with you and so there's situations like that and then he says pass out the bread pass out the fish which is what we're trying to just we're just trying to pass out what God's done in our life we're trying to pass God's word to people right we're trying to share God's love and message with other people. And so when we, now here's the thing. Satan wants you to have the agreement that you don't have anything to offer. You can't do much. Other people are more spiritual than you. But we're saying what? God delights in using broken people. Oswald Chambers wrote it this way. He said, the tiniest detail in which I obey has all the omnipotent power of the grace of God behind it. If I do my duty, not for duty's sake, but because I believe God is engineering my circumstances. In other words, the reason the lights are out and I'm at Bluebird Cafe is because God wants me to talk to somebody about Jesus. God's engineering your circumstances, our circumstances, that at the very point of my obedience, the whole superb grace of God is mine through the atonement. It's going to be so easy when God tells you to obey for you to make an excuse. For you to say, that does, that's not going to work for me. I'm not courageous enough. I don't have what it takes. I don't know enough. I'm saying, folks, just step out, position yourself, and try to share. And trust God to do something. I was reading a book this last week. I was telling Laura about it last night. Uh, this guy moves into a new house and uh, looks across the street on, on, a, on one morning. And there's a guy out there, and he's washing his girlfriend's car. And uh, nothing on but his swimming trunks. And uh, kind of flexing his chest muscles a little bit, you know. And uh, long, kind of white hair, kind of flowing mustache. And, and uh, so he goes over to meet him, and he finds out his name's Charlie. Charlie's 102 years old. Start of a seven-year friendship with Charlie. And uh, Charlie's dad was a, uh, was a minister. Charlie grew up hearing about uh, medical missions and things like that. And he said, I always had a, a dream that he might do that one day. And... Uh, Charlie's faith, as I read the book, doesn't seem to be a big part of his life, but he did end up going, he did end up becoming a doctor. 
And he did go on two medical mission trips. They were, I don't think they were evangelism, but they were medical mission trips. The second one he went on when he was 99 years old. So you see, folks, we, we, we don't need to make excuses too quickly is what I'm trying to say. We need to position ourselves and say, God, you do what only you can do. Humbly, not strutting around. Not I've got all the answers and you don't. But, but just being real, apologizing when we mess up, asking for forgiveness when we sin. But being real with people around us and saying, I really know that I'm not a great witness all the time. I really do love Jesus. I really do want you to. See, that's my heart at Hopewell. I know there's people who preach better than I do. I know you can watch an online preacher that's better than me. But I really do want this church to love Jesus with all of our heart. There's things God can do with us as a congregation that he can't do if we're watching stuff online. Or listen to a podcast. I mean, you can hear way better sermons and stuff. But I'm hungry for us to continue. And, and we do. Y'all, look. You go to the last point, which is observe what God does. Observe what God does. So we pitch in. We have a heart. We're real with people. I want to see what God can do with this place. I want to see what God can do with you and I. And then we watch what God does. We obey as best we know. And by the way, a lot of what we need to obey is what we already know. You already know to love people. You already know to share. You already know to forgive. All those kinds of things. And then we watch for what God does. I had two people uh, this last week from here at Hopewell share some incredible God stories with me. Some things there. They stepped out um, a little bit afraid, maybe not real confident in themselves and outside their comfort zone and just offering what they had to God. And, and God does sometimes some of the coolest things. As some of you know, Laura... Went out to visit with her brother. Her brother's very, very sick. Um, can't stand up by himself. Um, um, you know, just, just he's very, very sick and requires an awful lot of care. So she went out week before last, uh, spent a really hard emotional, physical week with her brother, Wayne, who's an atheist, and uh, just offered herself to God, said, God, please help me to minister to him. And when she got ready to go, Wayne was, who's not just super gushy, tenderhearted, but he was thanking her for coming out, flying out there, spending her week with him. So her brother, the atheist, said to Laura, he said, I just don't know what I'm trying to say. He said, I want to say thank you, but that doesn't seem enough. So, so, so put this, watch this. He said, all I can say is, you were a godsend. <laughs> Why does an atheist say that? <laughs> you were a godsend this week. Hey, look, it may be a Sunday school student that learns something. A Sunday school student or a church or vacation Bible school student gives you a hug. That's a pretty cool thing, right? Somebody, your child wants to talk about their quiet times or wants to talk about something that God did at, at camp. Your spouse has an answer to prayer. Listen, when something happens, share it. Share it. Be open to just watch what God does. I'll close with a story. I read a story about Julie. Uh, Julie and her son Jordan was going into a sandwich shop. Jordan was about eight years old or so. And they go inside this sandwich shop, and there's a lady in there who's making a sandwich, and uh, she sees that Jordan is about to ask the lady something. And uh, you know how it is when the eight-year-old's about to ask something, like, please, 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 let it be appropriate, right? And so he says, who are you making that sandwich for? 
And she said, I'm making it for my son. And so then he goes to a follow-up question when Julie's like, please, Lord. <laughs> he said, so are you going to take it home to him when you finish making the sandwich? And uh, she said, actually, I'm not. She said, my, um, my son and I are going through a time of, uh, of abandonment right now. And uh, we're living in our car. And so I won't be able to, to take it home. Um, but I'm going to take it to the car uh, where he's at right now, 15-year-old son. And so Julie, who's also a single mom, single mom to single mom, um, pulled out her wallet, gave her all the cash she had in her wallet. Said, look, let me just try to bless you. No, 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 no. She said, I want to. I just do that. She said, her name was Cameo. I said, Cameo, I'm so sorry you're having a hard time. I'd love for you to come to church with me. If you'd come to church with me, uh, sit with me, and, um, and, and, and we could just kind of be friends. And Cameo took her up on it. Took her up. Her and David went to church uh, the next Sunday. And a uh, pretty, pretty large church. And so when they went to walk in the door of the church, uh, her, son, um, her son David had a panic attack. They're homeless, anxiety, depression, over their heads, all that kind of stuff. He has a panic attack and he can't go in. He goes, he goes back out to the car and she said, do you mind if I go in? He said, no, mom, go ahead and go in. So she goes in. She said, when I walked in this large church, I felt like I met the family that I've always been looking for. And the pastor was preaching on, you have a place in God's family. You belong in God's family. God wants you as a part of his family, and we want you as a part of God's family. At the end of the service, he said, if any of you shared the gospel, if any of you would like to receive Christ as your personal Savior, become a member of God's family, would just raise your hand. Cameo raised her hand. She prayed. She asked God to save her. And so the next week, she told David, she said, David, I really would like for you to come. Would you please come? He said, Mom, I'll try. And so David came back, and they sat with Julie and her son again. And, and David made it in. It's hard, but he, he got his courage the best he could, and he came in. And that Sunday, the pastor was preaching on anxiety. How Jesus loves you when you're anxious. Jesus paid for all of your sins, all the things that you're anxious about. He's willing to work with you. He's willing to be there for you. He'll never leave you if you'll offer your life. And that Sunday when they prayed the prayer, David raised his hand and asked Christ to come into his life. Julie just simply offered what she had. A little money and an invite to church, some kindness, Obeyed God when the opportunity presented and said, would you come to church with us? And then just watched God do something. Two people's eternal future changed. Because an eight-year-old boy said, are you going to take that home to your son? Would you stand please with heads bowed and eyes closed? Heads bowed and eyes closed. What our focus needs to be is on not what we have. may not feel like much. Probably isn't a whole lot. I, I, when I preach each Sunday, one of the things I typically pray is, God, I don't have anything to offer but you. I don't have a philosophy of life. I don't have some grand building program I want to pull off. I have no illusion. I don't want to be president of anything. Um, Lord, I just want to offer people you. I just want to offer people you. And so this morning, would you just offer what you have to God? So God, I just, what I, what I, what's, what's me? I offer to you, and I'll do what you say. And like author, bless it, I'll be the garbage can. I'll, what nobody else wants to do, I'll do that. And then just watch. God may do something really cool, may not see anything for a while, it's okay.
Just watch. It's God's business then. God has to do the multiplying. God has to do the hard lifting, right? Just watch what he does. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray if there's anybody here that's kind of in the situation um, that Cameo and David were in, they'd never given their heart and life to Jesus. I pray they would give their heart and life to you today. Give themselves to you. And I pray, Father, for us as believers that we would say, Lord, here am I. I just offer what I have to you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you want to come kneel at this altar and just offer yourself to God, if you want me to pray with you, if you want to make a decision to give your heart and life to Jesus, whatever you would, decision you would have, would you do that right now as Rhonda and Lisa sing our invitation hymn?